genre. Welcome back to The Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cass Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we'll be discussing the greatest show in the galaxy, The Seventh Doctor's Eighth Story. Mm. Boy, was it. And how. And how. Uh, so the greatest show in the galaxy comes to us from writer Stephen Wyatt, who previously wrote Paradise Towers, which, of course, we all remember as the story that introduced our favorite character and yours, Pex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really tracks. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. Um, so this is his second story. Basically, he turned in his scripts for Paradise Towers. And uh, they read them and were instantly like, hey, you should write another one. Maybe something that takes place at a circus. So uh, so he did. And, and he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it went it went through a different uh, a few different versions. So the initial uh, the initial pitch for, for for greatest show in the galaxy um, involved a circus infested with creatures who lived underground. Uh, but. This was unfeasible because right at this point, the production team had thought of Greatest Show in the Galaxy as one of the three-part studio-bound serials uh, for season 25. Of course, um, this being the concept that to save money and time, there would be a three-part serial that was all location shooting and a three-part serial that was all studio shooting. Uh, and it was a way for them to like block schedule stuff and get a whole ep- a whole story's worth of episodes out um, without changing locations. Uh, so he decided to like um, uh, kind of uh, create a, a, a new uh, version of this that uh, focused entirely on the circus. And then he came up with the idea where uh, s- spectators are uh, cajoled into performing for a sinister family only to inevitably fail to entertain them and suffer a terrible fate. And uh, everyone was like, cool. And it was greenlit May 8th, 1987. Um, Note that this did not air until January of uh, 1989. So um, quite a, it took quite a while to get this going. Uh, So after this point, uh, greatest show in the galaxy evolved a little bit more. Um, in the beginning, they didn't even know that Ace was going to be the new companion. So this was the Doctor and Mel arriving at the circus where they were soon thrust into the ring with a punk werewolf, a creature called the Blob, the muscle-bound Nord, which was inspired by the Marvel comic superhero Thor, uh, and an empath known as the non-entity. Rather than performing solo, the, compar- the characters competed against each other for the family's entertainment in a series of games and challenges 
Uh, of the circus staff, it was the ringmaster who played the most overtly villainous role. The alternative circus was more high-tech and played a larger role, being occasionally glimpsed by Mel. At the adventure's climax, the circus was destroyed when the non-entity amplified the doctor's rage at the needless deaths. Tag yourself. I'm the empath yeah. called the non-entity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in later drafts, the blob was replaced by a half-human mu- half mutant, the Wiz Kid, who then developed into a computer genius who was an expert at all of the in-ring games and referred to himself as the Galactic Games King. After his death, the, the, <laughs> after, the his death. after his death, the character <laughs> returned as a ghoulish self-parody with a robotic brain and a scoreboard body. Mel encountered a friendly animal called the Squonk, <laughs> who later evolved into a clown creature referred to as a honk. God. Uh, there Damn was a it. love triangle between the ringmaster, the chief clown, and the Romanian fortune teller-like box office lady, hmm. uh, which is what I re- referred to her as rather than the G word, um, who was originally uh, envisaged as a grandmother type. Um, and the non-entity destroyed the circus using the werewolf's fury rather than the doctor's. It's so interesting what carries over. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, so course, then in but... September, it was decided that the greatest show in the galaxy should be expanded to four episodes with the Happiness Patrol taking the place as the three-part studio-only story. Uh, not only did this give Wyatt greater narrative space, it also meant that he could take advantage of location filming and therefore free his script from the confines of the big top environment. Um, as a result, the new first episode would now explore the planet uh, Seganax, Seganax, um, on which the Psychic Circus was located, uh, Seganax being yet another uh, planet rock quarry uh, with one shot uh, in a desert, which... Uh, There's Nick, a sand dune. Yeah, okay. which Nick and I both both commented as, of it being like a nice change of pace. Like, <laughs> oh, wow, it's a, it's, a, it's a sand dune rather than a rock yeah, quarry here, hill. Here's, a, here's one sand dune as a treat. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, uh, the story as a whole would focus less on the notion of performers competing to survive. And uh, all of this was uh, greenlit at this point. Um, Wyatt, now in need of additional characters, uh let's see uh, uh ben aaron aronovich who wrote remembrance of the dog suggested introducing an explorer along the lines of indiana jones <laughs> this inspired the creation of captain cook uh which is about the farthest thing from indiana jones as you can muster i think like a like a villain like an indiana jones villain yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh whose demise was intended to provide the cliffhanger for the new f- first episode however why I enjoyed the character so much that he ended up having him survive the whole time, uh, even going so far as to initially believing he may mysteriously survive the circus's destruction in the uh, end of episode four. Uh, however, that uh, did not come to pass. Um, also out at this point was the background of the psychic circus, uh, which reflected Wyatt's disenchantment with the hippie movement of the 60s. Uh, elements of the non-entity and honk characters were refashioned as Deadbeat and Bellboy, while Ace replaced Mel. Uh, with the change in the plot's emphasis, WizKid had become redundant in the Galactic Games King incarnation, so it was decided to remold him as a parody of the stereotypical Doctor Who fan. 
the werewolf character, now uh, Captain Cook's uh, associate Mags. Captain Cook also, uh, I believe, being um, isn't isn't Captain Cook uh, uh, Jesse's drug name in Breaking Bad? Oh my God! When wow. he's a drug dealer, I think his name is Captain Cook because he was a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, honestly, I could see Jesse like just like getting like just getting turned and watching sure. classic who like the part in his life when he would just stand like six inches away from a speaker at full volume. Just yeah. to feel something. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, OK, so all of these things were changed. Um, we, they then gave the, uh, director gig to Alan Waring, uh, who had previously been a production assistant on the Keeper of Traken and uh, a production manager on Timelash. Uh, but I believe this was their, uh, directorial debut here. Um, and, uh, it's cool when someone moves up the ladder like that. Yeah. It's, it's just too bad. It's so far. It's so close to the end of the show. Right. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but still really cool. Uh, the hippie bus was literally the same prop vehicle that they used as the tour bus in Delta and the Bannerman. Bless. Uh, they just repainted it, uh, but it's the exact same bus. And uh, let's see here. What else? What else do we have? <laughs> um, uh, oh, uh, when the uh, circus is being destroyed, um, the original uh, explosion was meant to be pretty contained um, in terms of like <laughs> what it was. And uh, there was an equipment problem, which caused a very different, much more violent explosion. But Sylvester McCoy was not informed of this and uh, just strutted off like a, like a, like, like a, a, like a bamf. Like, yeah, just like a, like an absolute bamf. And, uh, uh, you know, didn't, didn't bat an eye, didn't blink. And uh, it rules. Um, and it's but yeah, it's it, it's but, metal. I yeah, mean, he, but he, he very it. well may have been in a lot of danger in yeah. that shot. Sure, um, because it got the explosion got out of hand. Unfortunately, I'm glad he's okay. Yes, and when he made the Hobbit movies, he was nowhere near anything even resembling a real explosion. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that made up for it for sure. Safe and sound. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else do we have? Um. So uh, another bit is that uh, they were filming this in a BBC television studio uh, and throughout like around the second week of of shooting, um, they found asbestos in the studio and uh, it was it was like spreading everywhere. And so they had to close up production and then they didn't know how they were going to finish production uh, and eventually, EastEnders uh, granted them access to their parking lot. And so the rest of the episode, uh, the rest of the story was shot in the EastEnders parking lot, which, uh, was, which, which really, really upset everyone who worked at EastEnders. <laughs> because for two weeks, they had nowhere to park um, and had to walk a lot further to set. Um, <laughs> so the whole uh, crew, cast and crew of EastEnders really, really hated uh doctor who um during the shoot for greatest show in the galaxy um mm. and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it uh it's it's uh 
you know, things pretty much went the way they were supposed to. And, um, you know, it was all well and good after that. Uh, but besides yeah. the explosion effect, someone, yeah, yeah, the that. explosion in the parking lot, um, beyond those part things, the asbestos and the explosion, the doctor's greatest enemy, asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> um, beyond those things, it, it all pretty much, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, went okay um they did because of the asbestos thing though they did have to rearrange the release of the episodes uh originally silver nemesis uh, was supposed to be was it silver nemesis that was supposed to be yeah i think silver nemesis was supposed to be the 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 season finale and uh but it also had to air on uh doctor who's silver anniversary because mm-hmm. that was the whole point of of its existence and so in Silver Nemesis, Ace has uh, uh, like some earrings that she got from this episode, and her rucksack is destroyed. But then she has her rucksack again in this episode, and all of that is just because the continuity got screwy because they had to start yeah. the season later because of all the problems in the shoot for this episode. Oh, yeah, and she mentions not having it in this one too, and it like is weird. Yeah, you're like, I wish I had my rucksack, and you're like, what? Are you, what? Yeah, yeah. So it was just there was a lot of uh, 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 weird stuff in terms of like continuity um, going on in this episode uh, because it was not meant to be the season finale. The it was meant to be right before uh, Silver Nemesis or right after Remembrance of the Daleks. So pretty early on, um, and then it got bumped. So there you have it, and uh, that's pretty much it as far as uh, background and significance of this one. But. Uh, it is quite the ride, and I say we just dive right into episode one. The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, Part 1. Written by Stephen Wyatt. Directed by Alan Waring. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Andrew Cartmill. Air date, December 14th, 1988. The Seventh Doctor and Ace are invited via futuristic junk mail to the Psychic Circus on the planet Seganax. Ace is afraid of clowns and doesn't want to go, but the Doctor insists. Meanwhile, two circus performers called Flower Child and Bellboy are on the run from the chief clown, and in an effort to get away, they split up. Flower Child goes to an abandoned bus with a robot inside. She tries to open a strange box she took from the bus, but the robot activates and kills her. When the TARDIS lands, the Doctor and Ace find a mostly deserted wasteland and stop at a food cart to ask for directions. After eating some weird fruit in an attempt to gain the cart owner's trust, they head off to the Psychic Circus, running into a rude motorcyclist named Nord, who is also on his way there. Instead of offering the two a ride, he takes off, leaving the Doctor and Ace to go on foot, where they run into an explorer named Captain Cook and his traveling companion Mags. Captain Cook invites the Doctor and Ace to tea at their campsite. Nearby, Ace and Mags find a large deactivated robot that comes to life and attacks them, but Ace manages to stop it. As the four travel to the circus, they find the abandoned bus from earlier, and Ace picks up an earring from the ground and pins it to her jacket. They're attacked by yet another robot, the same one that killed Flower Child before. The group splits up because the Doctor doesn't want to hang out with Captain Cook anymore. Captain Cook and Mags arrive at the circus before the Doctor and Ace do, just in time to see Bellboy being tortured for escaping. Mags screams but is silenced by the Ringmaster, and the two are taken to a cage backstage with Nord. Outside, Ace hears the screaming and is reluctant to enter the circus tent with the Doctor. So, um, I 
didn't remember like hardly anything about this while watching it uh, for mm-hmm. this, so it was um, exciting. Um, we'll go with that word. Um, <laughs> I I like the um, like the Mad Max like tricycle dude that's supposedly inspired by Thor because like his dumb bat helmet like he just appears on the um on the landing pad and then like revs his engine and like Mm -hmm. drives off into the desert and I'm like oh this is very silly I I think it's really funny because ironically despite the fact that he's based on Thor uh his his helmet is exactly Ocean Master's mask like exactly um so it's just really funny best best of both Uh, he keeps arby's in his he keeps an arby's sandwich in his bike he's that little compartment where he pulls out that arby's sandwich like a western bacon cheeseburger (laughs) yeah it looked like there was um like gummy worms on his sandwich yeah (laughs) i thought that was bacon (laughs) yeah it had that like bright red uh like barbecue quality that like like uh like barbecue at chinese restaurants look Mm -hmm. like like barbecue ribs Mm -hmm. you know they'll have that like bright red Mm -hmm. where the pork will be that like bright red Mm -hmm. color that's what it looked like but uh with respect gentlemen i think i think both of you kind of uh, put put the cart before the horse and maybe bury the lead a little bit Uh, yes this episode opens with a wrap yes it does oh yeah it's the it's the it's the moment that i was waiting for and i was like god damn it nick is gonna love this so much yeah So uh, the ringmaster, played by uh, Rico Ross, mm-hmm. who um, I, I guess I might as well say it now. This guy's a really interesting backstory. Uh, he's an American actor. Mm-hmm. This is like, oh, that's a really good American accent. Uh, born, in, <laughs> born in Cook County Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, moved to the UK in the late 80s, relocated, and then got some work there, uh, including Doctor Who and Jeeves and Wooster. But not before being cast in the 1986 movie Aliens where he played Private Frost. He originally read for the part of Corporal Hicks. Oh. Uh, didn't get it. Got Turned it down to get in Full Metal Jacket. So he was in Full Metal Jacket. James wow. Cameron was so impressed with his audition that he wrote a character for Rico Ross to come back and be an alien. So he left Full Metal Jacket to go be an alien. Wow. That's awesome. That's crazy. And he is. He's he, great. He's so good in this. He's like... He's like so much more naturalistic than everyone else. And I think that the fact that he's American has a lot to do with that because I think, you know, the thing that you always hear about British actors is like, oh, classically trained, like everybody's classically trained. And I think that when you're classically trained, you see something as Doctor Who as camp and you're like, oh, okay, I know how to do this. And you do like the camp campy acting thing Mm -hmm. and i don't think he saw it that way i think he being an american trained actor probably saw it as like oh like a sci-fi show like star trek or whatever twilight Mm -hmm. zone right like they they want you to be naturalistic to sell you know how wacky everything is Mm -hmm. and so he's just acting on a totally different level as everybody else where where he seems like an in over his head entertainer absolutely that's just desperately trying to keep his operation together absolutely and you know for late 80s raps in tv shows or like (laughs) you know like fruity pebbles commercials or whatever it's like minimally cringe yeah and i think it's a large part because of 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 rika ross's it it definitely is it's also kudos to them for actually casting a black guy in this role Mm -hmm. because i feel like i feel like if it could have been any other day and they would have been like yeah we'll just cast a white guy 
here and make him do an 80s rap. I mean, how many times have we seen that? I mean, like every sitcom stuff? around this time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, yeah. So yeah, so just right off the bat, pretty something pretty incredible. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, then like seconds after that, we get Nord and his like motorcycle and his like cheeseburger compartment <laughs> and his motorcycle. Yeah. Oh man. So there's a lot going on like from the jump in this. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Um and then we get the we get the lady with the fruit stand that sells the alien fruit with that has like the goopy insides that you like scoop out with your hands. It's disgusting. Um Oh, I, I have a question for both of you. Uh why was could, why was the doctor learning tricks on the TARDIS? Like what was he practicing? I he just does that. Seven seven likes tricks. <laughs> yeah. He likes okay. he likes like sleight of hand and 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 learning how to play he learned how to play spoons. Mm-hmm. He loves the that spoons. came up again today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's just his vibe. I don't know. He just likes learning how to do like weird, playful things. I think because he, you know, we haven't really gotten to this aspect of the Seventh Doctor yet. Um, this starts really next season. Uh, so the very next episode is when we start to see this aspect of the Seventh Doctor. But he is known as the Master Planner. Um, you know, he is like he's he's this guy who knows. Like he he pictures the universe as a chessboard mm-hmm. and is constantly like moving things around and manipulating people and things into a way that um you know he wants it to be and so I think you know all of that comes out of the fact that he just likes exercising his mind more than any of the other doctors. All of the other doctors, you come to them and it's sort of assumed that they're just really smart and they know all of this stuff. But like for some reason, there's something about Sylvester McCoy's doctor where he wants to go beyond what he already knows and is constantly wanting to like stretch his intelligence and learn new things and figure out how to do new things. And uh, it's something very distinctive about the seventh doctor that we're, we're just now starting to see a little bit of. Wow. I've never thought of, I've never heard it worded like that, but that kind of reminds me, maybe that speaks to why I enjoy seven and aces like partnership so much Mm -hmm. is like, and even in this episode where they're just exploring and like walking around planet quarry, it's like, I don't know. I really like their dynamic. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, because Ace is a lot like Susan to me, where there is something very childlike about her, where she likes exploring mm-hmm. and is just like curious. And the doctor kind of like matches that. Yeah. In a way that's different from what we saw with like six. Yeah. Ace is definitely a little stinker, which is which is like one of my favorite vibes about her. Like, I love Ace. Think- Ace is Ace's top tier companion. Yeah, no, me. she's great. Um, I think we get kind of glimpses of his whole like master planner, like chessboard scheming uh, thing in this one where he's like mm-hmm. pushing her about like her phobia of clowns. And it's just like, oh, it's just a circus. Come on, let's go. And she's just like, uh, OK. Yeah. 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 I, I empathized with a so hard during this whole episode. <laughs> yeah, she I totally hate- nailed like. Yeah. I hate like, clowns. I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> or also like theme park for me at a theme park energy where it's like i have boundaries and my friends like come on <laughs> you want to like, oh, oh fuck oh shit now it's about me <laughs> i think that's part of the reason why i just erased this from my memory is because i don't like clowns and the master clown mm-hmm. or like wh- whatever um is like the scariest dude um mm-hmm. yeah genuinely creepy clowns yeah the the makeup is really good on the clowns. Uh, like I like it's a, it's it's distinctive enough that I was really impressed by it. Mm-hmm. It does get worse each episode mm-hmm. because I feel like whoever designed the makeup for the first episode didn't come back to work 
the makeup trailer in the next ones. Well, maybe like they let their when they're in like in a parking lot or something. <laughs> Right, or, right. Like the park, EastEnders parking lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because in the first episode, it's like really thin and wispy. His his like lip makeup. Yeah, and like the make the the eye makeup is really like refined, really refined and thin and and detailed. Um and and uh, and very um uh, asymmetrical mm-hmm. in like a cool way that I've never seen before. Um, it managed to look sinister. Mm-hmm. And not like ironically sinister the mm-hmm. way a lot of evil clowns are and mm-hmm. stuff. Sinister but delicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, is is the only way I can I can describe it. Yeah. They're just like really wispy lines. That lead clown was also like a really good performer. Yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, the clown mafia. Clown. <laughs> but yeah, Fruit Lady. I I also related to Fruit Lady because she was just like, Ugh, you freaks, these circus people. <laughs> I hate all of you. She used to be such a quiet community. <laughs> used to be such a quiet, just me and the rocks. <laughs> yeah. Me in the desert. I don't think the doctor needed to force Ace and I guess himself to eat that entire. Whatever that was. It, like, it did not get them anywhere. No. Yeah, it didn't help at all. No. Um, and it looked revolting. Mm-hmm. That's like a classic DM move of like, maybe if you eat the whole gross melon, the cart person will like you. It didn't. Yeah. No. It didn't work. It <laughs> Um, we meet, uh, we meet Captain Cook and Mags Mm -hmm. and, uh, Mags who the entire story I always think is going to be, turn out to be like some kind of bird person, like out of Zoo. Yeah. Um, cause she, she looks very bird like up until she turns into a werewolf later. Sure. Um, uh, cause she's green. Like she's got like these green feathers in her hair. Mm -hmm. Um, but it turns out she just sort of like a radioactive werewolf, but, uh. Yeah, we, she gave. I, I loved her. She gave me like um, the girl in the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie, like the punk character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a brief note about Mags, uh, played by Jessica Martin. Okay. Uh, this is not the first last time that Jessica Martin appears in uh, Doctor Who. Oh. She provided the voice of Queen Elizabeth II in the 2007 adventure Voyage of the Damned. <laughs> huh. I don't even remember when. Oh yeah, that's right. I, when when we're when not he, leaving. Yeah, when he, when he pulls up the pulls pulls the stick up on the on the Titanic. That's right. I remember. Oh wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah, she's great in this. She doesn't do a lot of talking until like part three. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of like strong silent type for the first two parts. That's such an uncomfortable weird relationship boy howdy and i guess it made sense by the end of it yeah of like oh i see all along but like i don't know like if i thought he was going to be like a rogue time lord at some point because mm. they had kind of like a dark version of a doctor companion relationship yeah where like there was no respect and like mag seemed very much like it's better than being alone but like i don't like this dude yeah right yeah it's very um like sixth doctor mm-hmm. and perry <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're just this one old white dude just rambling on yeah, just about talking. how smart. Yeah, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't murder him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. So then we meet. Uh, we meet. There's Morgana, yeah. the Romanian psychic, like, like the ticket taker, ticket taker. Um, Romani. Yeah. Is that it's not Romanian. No. Oh, okay. My bad. Um, Romani. <laughs> Uh, Romani psychic, 
Um, what what's Ro? Okay, Romania. Romania is the country. Romani oh. is the people. Oh, why have I heard the phrase Romanian then? I'm sure people have, have, have just spoken. mistakenly yeah. said it. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, so Romani uh, Morgana, the Romani psychic, who I'm pretty sure is the reason why the character in the next episode is not called Morgana. Mm. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, there is a character that is very much supposed to be Morgana Le Fay, uh-huh. uh, but she she's not called Morgana, and I think it's because they're like we can't do two episodes in a row with <laughs> people a are going to be confused. <laughs> Yeah, your name like Squant Ghana, like that little cat thing from before. Uh, no, it's like <laughs> it's evolved into it's it's like Morgana with some stank on the end of it. Uh, Morgana. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a little it's got a little extra okay. extra syllable I think in there, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I wish she had more to do. You know, like there's there's a there's a episode later on where uh, she gets uh, trapped with like a. A, a particular character that she's a lot of fun in mm-hmm. those scenes. But beyond that, she doesn't really have a lot to do yeah. um, because I think she's here as a, from like that earlier draft with the um, love triangle that was supposed to be here. And we did get kind of, I mean, this was just them both being good actors, but I did get a sense of history between Morgana and the ringmaster during their scenes together mm-hmm. where I'm like, I could see you. I, when, when you said that they were a couple in a previous draft, it actually kind of like, Made sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, yeah. Oh, can I say something about Nord? Yeah, uh, you can say all, everything you want about Nord. <laughs> so um, Nord, the Vandal, mm-hmm. uh, would also appear in Doctor Who in the future. Uh, he appeared as proper Dave in the two-parter Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. Oh. What? That's... Proper Dave is the one that gets eaten by the the Vasha Narada, right? I think so. He's like a skeleton. The first one. I think I haven't seen that one. Yeah, yeah. The first guy. The first he guy. Goes, to hey, die. who turned out off the lights? Yeah, I think it's I think that, that's guy. that guy. I think that's Dave. That was Nord. Oh, Nord. Man. Wow. So like, yeah. Oh, sorry. But but can we all can we all admit that like. Because at a certain point, Nord becomes a strong man later in the episode, <laughs> yeah. and all I could think about was like. Man, I wish they had just somehow found a way to bring Pex back. Like he just falls from the sky. Yeah. Just (laughs) that's where that hole led. Yeah. He he finds the motorcycle, the sandwich, and the helmet. And uh It it makes a lot of sense when you told me that this was from the writer of Paradise Towers. Yeah. Yeah. I just love his imagination. He just has such a sense of, and even like in the aborted or like, you know, the ideas that didn't make it like where the person has like a TV in his stomach. Mm -hmm. He has such a playful imagination that I think really fits this era of the show. Mm -hmm. I, I think that this era of the show is highly underrated. I think it gets scooped up in the, 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 the end of the fifth doctor and the sixth doctor era a lot of just like, yeah, this is when John Nathan Turner wanted out. This is, yeah. you know, it, even, just going through the motions, you know, it was it was mean. And because the happiness patrol is a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing is like, I think this era, like once they got rid of Eric Sayward, when Eric Sayward wasn't the script editor anymore, the meanness of the show was gone. Yes. And it just became fun again. And it came, became like what you kind of want from an 80s Doctor Who mm-hmm. um, instead of whatever Eric Sayward wanted, which was like blood and gore for some reason. And and crankiness um cratchetiness uh so i i really really love this era 
Um, I think it's I think it's a lot of fun, and I wish it hadn't gotten canceled. But you know, that's kind of what this whole story is mm-hmm. about, as we'll get to in, later in the episode. Yes. Um, is this where we get the majority of our bellboy flower child yes. adventures? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in his like. We were trying to figure out what kind of jacket this is because it's not quite a bellboy jacket. It's sort of it's sort of reminiscent of like a like you said a band leader like Nick. my yeah like the Black Parade like Black Parade, um you know because my my initial thought was like oh like a ringleader and it's like oh no ringleaders have tails mm-hmm. so it's not a ringleader it's yeah it's got to be like a band leader or like a it's kind of like um the oh my god why can't I think of the Beatles album um yeah Sergeant Pepper yeah Sergeant, Sergeant Pepper, Pepper. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You guys knew what I was talking about. Yeah, is that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, is that like a band leader marching band jacket? I guess so. Yeah, I think so. No yeah. spoilers, but is this a different kind of circus jacket than someone wears in WandaVision? I think it's the same. I think okay. it's the same kind. Um it's it's a this one has a little bit more of the swirlies back and forth mm-hmm. across the opening, but uh I think it's it's relatively like the same vibe. Okay. Yeah. Um in terms of what it's doing uh yeah but yeah like i dug this was a kind of a big ensemble for a doctor even for a doctor Who episode mm-hmm. but like everyone was so memorable that even like the post office robot yeah <laughs> like, well, I but, remember. <laughs> but it was like really it was also really balanced because like in the eric sayward times like you would get a big ensemble and he would make sure that we were focused entirely on the ensemble ensemble mm-hmm. and getting very little of the doctor and the companion mm-hmm. because he was more interested in that because he i don't think he wanted to be writing doctor who um or at least not colin baker and uh and and but so here it's like you get a nice mixture of everything yeah yeah it kind of does remind me of like a D&D campaign where it's like there's this interesting map and world, mm-hmm. but characters, you know, like the black road, the big giant robot in the sand is only going to be there when you go back to it. Mm-hmm. So it's really just the doctor and Ace like exploring this map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the cliffhanger for this one for part uh, two? Are we going in or not? <laughs> oh, that was weird. This one has the worst cliffhangers. Well- <laughs> I love them because you can easily edit them all out and just watch this as a giant episode. Yeah. Like I, I so I kind of like it for that. Yeah. I, I like that he's just like, I do not respect these cliffhangers and I will not do it. Uh <laughs> Ace Ace hears Ace hears Mag screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the doctor's like, I don't what well, I don't hear anything. <laughs> and then they mute the screaming. <laughs> he's like, see? Nothing. No screaming. <laughs> you dummy. Oh, uh, um ace is so freaked out in this it's she's a champ i just want to talk about ace for a second i had forgotten that she named herself after the word that she uses for things she finds cool hell yeah which i just she finds herself cool she has it on her jacket she has like a custom ace jacket yeah she's great she's a legend yeah ace is a legend um i was so excited when we got the introduction of ace because i knew that ace was going to be one of nick's favorites Mm -hmm. um i'm glad to see that uh is turning out to be more and more the case <laughs> yeah. as we go along. Um, she overcomes her fear of clowns. I don't she know that eventually. she does. I think she, uh, <laughs> she survives. Yeah. yeah she survives well, I, I think she overcomes it in so much as she gets the job done despite it. Yeah. That's um, true. Which is a form of overcoming it. Uh, she proves even if her she point. Still, yeah. She still has, <laughs> yeah. She still has the fear of clowns yeah. at the end of this. Is, it's not like it goes away. Is but. this the part is, is three, the one where she gets thrown in the, the, the car 
the train car or whatever that room is with all of the the robot clowns? Uh, yeah, I think that's like part three. I think. Yeah, I think okay. that's that the happens. end of part, oh, we're still in part two. two. End of part two. Into part, into part three. three. Okay. I think she's in there like all of part three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, is this also the episode where we get the the <laughs> we get uh uh the uh, what what is his Whiz name? Kid? The bellboy. Oh, is that is that his name? Bellboy. Whiz- right. Yeah. Yeah. Bellboy is the one that. Um, with, with, with the, the jacket. jacket, yeah, right, right. So, is this the episode where we get uh, where where Bellboy's jacket opens and we see that he's not wearing a shirt underneath, and it's like, oh no, that's I'm part like, three when when Ace is in the the, the uh, oh that doesn't happen until part three. I'm pretty sure, yeah, because it opens when he's getting punished, and then we don't see him oh. again. Okay, well, it's a good look, is all. Yeah, I'm um, <laughs> good, yeah, good. Uh, that happened. I was like, good for him. Not to jump <laughs> too far him. ahead, but like, yeah, there's a moment where Ace like finds him and he's like chained up and he's like shirts open and she's like, I don't know how to process right? this. <laughs> yeah. The Greatest Show in the Galaxy Part Two, written by Stephen Wyatt, directed by Alan Waring, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Andrew Cartmill, air date December twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. The Doctor and Ace enter the psychic circus only to find it is surprisingly empty. They speak with a fortune teller named Morgana at the entrance before going to find a seat, where they see the only audience members are a mother, a father, and a little girl. The ringmaster comes out and asks for volunteers for the circus's talent show. The Doctor happily agrees, and when he and Ace are taken backstage, they run into the chief clown who recognizes Flower Child's earring on Ace's jacket. Panicked, Ace runs away and finds a room full of robot clown parts and a very beat-up bellboy. The chief clown comes looking for him and takes bellboy away, and Ace follows stealthily behind. The doctor is taken backstage and put in the cage with Nord, Captain Cook, and Max. Captain Cook explains the stakes of the talent show. They need to perform in order to stay alive. Nord is tricked into performing first, and when he fails to entertain the family, he is disintegrated. After the performance, a boy wearing glasses and riding a bike named Wizkid arrives. He's a big fan of both the Psychic Circus and Captain Cook's adventures, and has come to participate in the talent show. The ringleader takes him backstage to wait in the cage with the others, only to find that the Doctor and Mags have escaped. Ace is captured again and is imprisoned in the room full of robot clown parts. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Mags wander around some strange stone structures next to the circus tent, and they find a deep pit with a large eye staring up at them. Before being able to investigate, Captain Cook arrives with a group of robot clowns to take the Doctor back to the ring. So we get the the reveal that there's, like, no audience for this circus, except for, like, this mom, dad, and this little girl. Um, mm-hmm. and the doctor like tries to interact with them and it doesn't really work. And he's just like, oh, well, that's weird. And then they kind of poke around. Um, is okay. So the, the mom, dad, and little girl, is it supposed to be like super meta about like, cause we were talking about like trial of a time lord and how like we're putting the show on trial. Is that, Mm-hmm. Is this supposed to be like a microcosm of that season where it's like a hundred percent? That's what I was getting. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, it's, it's slightly uh, altered, I think, because uh, the family, as we learn later is, is, are actually the, the gods of Ragnarok mm-hmm. or what have you. And you the gods of like Ragnarok. There's like four R's in there. Right. The way Sylvester McCoy says it. The gods of, of Ragnarok. Yeah, I love how he rolls his <laughs> um, R's every time. <laughs> 
uh, they uh, are uh, obviously because they're like literally canceling people. Um, they are a, a stand in for the BBC and specifically the head of drama uh-huh. at BBC who desperately wanted to cancel the show. Um, and I think that the family are not real because they're not they they're they're like a patsy that the bbc Mm -hmm. is using as an excuse Mm -hmm. to cancel the show Mm -hmm. that they think sucks like they tell you no it like um, britain doesn't want you british families aren't watching you anymore right but it's really these like cold gods that there really doesn't appear to be anything that any performer can do that actually would appease them they're just lambs for the slaughter Mm -hmm. right because they just want to cancel the show that they hate um and and the fans don't matter as we find out with with uh with with our fanboy like it doesn't matter how much you love this show it doesn't matter like i they just don't want it to exist um and i think that that's ultimately the metatextual message of this story is just that like uh yeah it really sucks to be on doctor who right now mm-hmm. because uh no one likes us it, and and it, and is trying no one is trying to protect yeah. us i mean not to again not to jump too far ahead but like at one point the doctor's literally just doing card tricks yeah and just doing whatever he can to keep these gods entertained and he's just like it's oh they're it's not gonna work yeah nothing nothing is good enough part two is where ace is stuck in the the cart with the robot clowns which is like my top tier phobia i hate robots i hate clowns i don't like Mm. robot clowns (laughs) (laughs) and there's this moment where she's like fight or flight and she's like okay okay and she just rips off one of their arms Uh and hits it with it Mm -hmm. hell yeah and it was yeah like hell yeah ace 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 rules remember when she like took a baseball bat to a dollar yeah oh Remember in part one where the robot, the big robot in the sand was like attacking them. Mm -hmm. It was attacking Mags and the doctor. And she's like, and there's like a big shovel. And she just like whacks it in the head with a shovel. Ace rules. Ace just rules. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, this is in this episode, the doctor gets tricked into uh, becoming a circus performer, Mm -hmm. uh, finding himself in a, in a cage. Um and uh despite all of his rage. <laughs> yeah, despite all of his rage. And and uh uh Nord is there and they they throw a caveman outfit on him so he can go and be a strong man. Um and then they tell him that he has to has to do a do joke. A joke yeah. and he can't do a joke. I like that they have uh, the uh, the like scorecards. Uh the family. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. It's like, Mom, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's funny that him lifting that thing over his head was worth a nine. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, really? You guys, you for 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 uh, uh, gods who are so hard to please, that was, you, you were pretty easy to please by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say that's the only non-zero score they give anyone this whole story. Yeah, yeah. They don't really they give like? Don't they give the gods. um the werewolf um stuff in in part three? Don't they give that a nine? Oh yes, yeah. I think you're right. Um. Okay. Like what else? Stuff. Yeah. We get yeah. our psychic circus fanboy, who is obviously a stand-in for Doctor Who. Yeah. Whiskey, who arrives on the portal on like I what I would look to me like the Pee Wee Herman bicycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and what I thought was so interesting, if we are looking for metatextuals, the fact that he didn't, because the circus people seem to be forced into this life, mm-hmm. into the situation. Yep. Where they're like, well, we didn't want to do it this way. We were just like fun hippies living out in the desert. But then it got bought by this big corporate entity. Mm-hmm. And WizKid is like, I grew up 
reading about you with all I've memorized all of your even the even though it's not as good as it used to be I still love this and now I'm here to willingly give my body and be part of this mm-hmm. and everyone's like what a what a putz like, yeah <laughs> which is which is we I have think, a choice uh, which I think is uh like an aspect of um the new showrunner uh you know the new script editor um oh man what is his name Cass uh, uh Andrew shoot. Cartmel it's the one I yeah Andrew Cartmel I think Andrew Cartmel is that character and you know he's a massive Doctor Who fan who's getting to work on Doctor Who and he shows up and everyone is like okay but for real like like f this show this like I'm like John Nathan Turner's trying to get out like he hates it. Everyone seems to be like they're just like trapped making a show they all mm-hmm. hate. And he's just like, what? "What? You're all on Doctor Who. This should be amazing." And everyone's like, "It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's the worst." Um, I always, I read him as the um that that fan consultant that was working with Eric Sayward for a while that oh. nobody likes. Um, I don't remember his <laughs> <Okay>. name. <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah. You know. I we kind of we yeah. talked about him before. Um. Yeah, and he's kind of uh, a douchebag, but like fan consultant. Yeah, his oh man, what's his name? I don't remember. Um, that's so interesting because you hear people talk about that now, like on Twitter, where people are like, "Why isn't there like a fandom consultant?" And then someone who like is I don't know a writer or producer is like, "Here's all the reasons he, why like that wouldn't work or why that would be really hard to." Be yeah, a real thing. I think is, is is it Ian Holm? Is that his name? Ian Holmes uh, or mm, Ian? No, it's Ian something. Yeah, I think. yeah, Ian. Because um, even WizKid, you know, he's written clearly like, you know, like I, I would call it like good nature. Ian Levine. Ian Levine. Yeah, that guy. Ian Levine. Yeah, he was a tool. <laughs> I would still say WizKid is like still he's like an annoying character quote, but like his either his performance or just the writing. I was still like, oh, cool. WizKid's back. Like I yeah. was happy every time he was. In- I that's that's the thing is like it's uh, the reason I don't think he's Ian Levine is because like he's too. The, the the I think the story paints him as earnest, um, or too earnest. Yeah, earnest and likable, despite like er, like annoying, but like in a fun, likable way. He's more annoying because everyone is like, "God, this kid is so earnest about this stupid thing." <laughs> he doesn't, um, get, yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know the truth. Get your bright optimism yeah. away from me. Right. Yeah. That's why I I think it's more Andrew Cartmel than it is um, Ian Levine, just because like. Ian Levine, everyone hated, and I don't know how he he fits into the metatextual message that they're trying to uh, share here. Because mm-hmm. it's not like the BBC like ate him and chewed him out. Yeah, you know the true. way that they did Andrew Cartmel. Poor, poor Andrew Cartmel. This is like Sergeant Pepper's. There's all these hidden references, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, the walrus was Paul. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then they uh, they find like a cavern and a there's like a there's like a big eye uh, at the bottom yeah of big a eye hole. at the of mm-hmm. a chasm yeah it looked really cool and it was the second uh, another another really good uh, another really good effect was the pink planet above the circus tent mm-hmm. in every exterior I thought that was really cool too yeah it's also this story is also very similar to uh, Cabin in the Woods in a lot of ways sure um, in terms of like what it's trying to say about these gods that can't be yeah. appeased can't be appeased yeah because i because i i also got vibes that you know like it is kind of like about i don't know like content of yeah. just how like it's like the cycle of it yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, is this when the is this so? This is where the Doctor and Mags kind of team up for a little bit. Yeah, I always like when the Doctor has like a one-off companion in an episode where mm-hmm. it's just like him and someone else like rolling around, and you're like, oh man, I can yeah. picture I, like the cool Doctor companion relationship. Here. I wish that Mags had gone with because like the Doctor rolling up with mm-hmm. like Ace and Mags, like that's and a so werewolf. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I was going through notes about um, uh, the actress that plays Mags also replies to role as Mags in the Big Finish audio series. Oh, oh. nice. So oh, you both get, to get to that. I wonder where that happens. Huh. Um, I don't know which doctor she's paired with, but I imagine seven. I would. I would yeah. think. Um, but but yeah, I really like Mags' arc. I mean, I, again, kind of going back to I feel like if an A an Eric Sayward version of the story, that character doesn't end the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Very true. Um, this episode ends with Captain Cook being like, you're up next, doctor. Yes. Oh, no. (laughs) I admire how just much of a bastard Captain Cook was. Yeah. (laughs) Just as a Kermit care, I admired his purity, I guess, to quote Alien. (laughs) Yeah. He really stuck to his guns. I agree. No, I sold you out. Why wouldn't I? Right. (laughs) What are you, stupid? The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, Part 3. Written by Stephen Wyatt. Directed by Alan Waring. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Andrew Cartmel. Air date, December 28th, 1988. Ace and Bellboy, who was also stuck in the room again with her, talk about the psychic circus, about how everything changed after they came to the planet Seganax. Towards the end of the conversation, Bellboy gives Ace a remote control to one of the large-scale robots he built. The Doctor, who manages to escape thanks to a distraction from Mags, runs into a man named Deadbeat, who acts as the circus's janitor. Deadbeat leads the Doctor to the room where Ace and Bellboy are being held. After recognizing Deadbeat as the circus's former leader, Bellboy sends the three away and in a fit of despair orders his robot clown creations to kill him. Ace, Deadbeat, and the Doctor make their way back to the pit with the scary eye. Deadbeat shows them a matching eye on a medallion he wears around his neck, only that one is missing the eyeball. The Doctor and Ace realize that the missing piece might have been what Flower Child was trying to retrieve from the abandoned bus, and the Doctor sends Ace and Deadbeat to go get it. In order to stall for time, the Doctor returns to the circus tent. Once back at the cage, he suggests that Captain Cook, Mags, and himself all enter the ring and perform together, thus increasing their chances of survival. Captain Cook agrees, but once there, he calls for a, quote, old devil moon spotlight, and through some dubious werewolf physics, shines it on Mags. Mags starts to transform into an alien werewolf in the ring, and and the episode ends. So episode three, we learned that uh, Bellboy made all the robots, all the clown robots. Mm-hmm. That was his special job. Yeah. So that's that's fun. They flip around and stuff. Uh, he gives Ace a uh, a control device that controls the the big robot that was half buried in the sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is the episode where um, the whiz kid, the fanboy, uh, shows up and starts um, uh, just annoying the shit out of Morgana. <laughs> just like asking her a bunch of questions, following her around. And she's like, oh, my God, please, someone take him away, please. <laughs> And then he dies. Yep. 
He performed for five seconds. He's like, I can't believe I'm here. And then they raise their zeros because he hasn't started performing. <laughs> he gets cooked. Oh, he was also a really big fan of Captain Cook and knew all about Captain Cook's adventures. Yeah. He just really liked everybody. Mm-hmm. He, was a, he, was, he was a good dude. He didn't deserve his fate. Well, he shouldn't have, should have stayed in his comfy home in the suburbs. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, poor kid. Um, let's see. Uh, what else happens in part three? There's a lot uh, of time in that, that clown, robot clown room. Yeah. The, um, the one named Deadbeat that is like, he speaks, um, in like half sentences cause he's mm-hmm. driven mad by something. They're just like, oh, his name was Kingpin or whatever. And like that, we get like the start of that, which is resolved in the next episode right um this one ends with the werewolf reveal which is pretty cool yeah yeah the doctor and mags get like pushed out onto the circus and out onto the stage i guess yeah and it's revealed Mm -hmm. that well they they first they make a deal with captain cook that it's like hey if we all go out there they can't kill all of us like we'll all perform together and then we'll we'll beat the system and captain cook's like what a great idea and then as soon as they go out there he sells them out um Mm -hmm. like instantly because mm-hmm. um, he knows that she's a werewolf. Yeah. And uh, he knows that that's he, he's like, yeah, I, I will win because I I control a werewolf and the doctor will die because the werewolf is a wild animal who will kill the doctor. Yeah. And uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> big colonizer energy. Yeah. Yes. Big colonizer energy. I mean, he's sure. literally wearing like the um the old yeah, like timey the, like English explorer outfit. Yeah. Like the yeah. shitty like Alan Quartermain safari. Yeah. Outfit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No one's ever been here before. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Kingpin has the worst hair in the whole thing. Um. He's got like a really long, almost to his butt ponytail with like a mullet. Yeah. Uh. It's pretty, all around. It's pretty special. <laughs> it is. It is something else, man. It's um, even more involved than Mags. Yeah. Is it? Uh. And 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 uh. Uh. What's his name? Um. Nord had like a Padawan braid, right? Yeah, like a little rat tail. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He kept on his side. Um, so really interesting hair in this. Uh, just overall, <laughs> really interesting hair. In this if story. I'm not mistaken, Ace is also from the future, right? She's from the '80s. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, she's from yeah, yeah. Um, she she's from the '80s. He met her in the future because she had somehow time traveled to like and also to another planet. <laughs> Um, I think through a like a weird Wizard of Oz thing, which is why her name is Dorothy. Um, mm. like this weird Wizard of Oz thing, like swept her up in a tornado kind yeah. of vibe, and but she's like from a Earth. sci-fi tornado. But but she's from like what would be the equivalent of modern day England, um, at in in the time the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, England. Um, she was like spray painting the side of her school. Then... Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, big big like she would da- definitely be dating Bart Simpson. Um, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, do yeah. they, the, though they turn mags into a werewolf because they have a special light that's shaped like a crescent moon. Yeah. And that's that all was, it takes. Um, yeah. Cause <laughs> she's scared. Takes. She's scared of like, uh, I think it's in the previous episode when they're exploring the like 
Indiana Jones cave with like the giant eye in the bottom of the hole. Um, mm. There's like a crescent moon light and she's just like, oh, it's scary. And the doctor's like, what are you talking about? And then she's just like, I don't know. Um, and then they just use the same effect here. And I'm just like, how do these werewolves work? These alien werewolves. Yeah. she Yeah. She's like an alien werewolf. Like yeah. it's her species. Yeah. So, so yeah. listeners, she, 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 we don't, she doesn't become like uh, an actor in a werewolf suit. She kind of, Gets like fang and eye makeup and like prosthetics put in. She becomes mm-hmm. more green. Yeah, a lot and more green. And then gets her arm. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminded me of like I, I I told Scott reminded me of like the Green Goblin from Spider Man Turn Off the Dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. where she had like quills. Her mm-hmm. hair kind of became quills. Yeah, so more of like yeah, just like a were creature than like specifically like a, a wolf. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it ends with uh, uh, Mags singing a rendition of a freak like me needs company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> does Bell- hey, this whole thing's about freaks? Yeah, okay, he's calling them all freaks. It would have been God, uh, that would have been good. Is okay. Is uh, is Bellboy sacrificing himself? Is that this episode or part three? Uh, I think that was this. One. I think it's this one. Yeah, yeah it's this I think one they leave. They leave the the room at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. and then he he gets eaten by the clown yeah. robot. He sacrifices himself, <laughs> and then Ace runs off with Kingpin, <laughs> Nay, uh, Butthead, whatever his fake name was. <laughs> butthead, uh, <laughs> but, dead, Deadbeat, Deadbeat, Deadbeat. My yeah. favorite thing about uh, about Bellboy uh, getting eaten by the clowns, or whatever it is that happens <laughs> when he does it. The clown leader is in there with him and watches him do it. And he's like, he's like pushing the button and getting them to like come to him so that they can like do whatever they're going to do to him that he's sacrificing himself. And the cat, the clown leader is watching this happen and then just sort of ducks out of there and just sort of like rolls his eyes like, whatever, man. Like, yeah. it's your funeral. And you just get out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I really don't think you needed to do this, but okay, buddy. Um, it's, uh, it was, it was pretty It's really dramatic. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's also very slow. That's the thing is it took, yeah. (laughs) It took a long time. The Greatest Show in the Galaxy Part 4, written by Stephen Wyatt, directed by Alan Waring, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Andrew Cartmel. Air date January 4th, 1989. The three audience members are entertained by Mags turning into a werewolf and attempting to attack the doctor. Mags then turns on Captain Cook and kills him, and then transforms back into a girl. The doctor tells her to find Ace and Deadbeat, and then prepares for his performance. Meanwhile, at the abandoned bus, Ace and Deadbeat are attacked by the robot again, but Deadbeat remembers how to switch it off. They find the missing piece of the medallion and make their way back to the circus. The family in the audience demand more entertainment, The chief clown tricks Morgana and the ringmaster into some large baskets for a disappearing act, and the two of them are disintegrated. Appeased, the family settles down and the chief clown sets about to recapture Ace, Mags, and Deadbeat. When the doctor steps into the ring, the circus tent disappears, and instead of the family of three, there are three stone figures in the audience. They are the gods of Ragnarok. They feed on entertainment and they've brought the doctor with them to their home dimension from which there is no escape. The doctor declares that he's not afraid of them and starts performing some sleight of hand tricks. 
Ace, Deadbeat, and Mags lead the chief clown to the large robot in the desert. Ace uses the remote Bellboy gave her earlier to incapacitate the clowns using the robot, and the three head back to find the circus deserted. They make their way through the strange stone hallways to the pit and the large eye, and the completed medallion is dropped into the pit, where it materializes in front of the doctor. The gods of Ragnarok try to kill the doctor for failing to entertain them, but the doctor deflects their attacks using the medallion, and the stone arena begins to crumble. He leaves the arena and as he does so is transported back into the circus tent, which blows up as he's walking away from it. The Doctor and Ace then say goodbye to Deadmeat and Mags and set off on their next adventure. This is the one where uh, the Doctor enters the Dark Circus, which is <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the circus through the, the rocks and he's in like a... It's more yeah. like a gladiator ring. Yeah, almost. it's like a gladiator ring, yeah. Um, with the gods of Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, these like three stone sitting stone figures with like red eyes. Mm-hmm. So he, is this the first time we've heard tale of the, the gods of Ragnarok? Cause the doctor seemed to know who they were. And so I was like, Oh, are they from another story? Nope. No. Okay. Just... I think they're just here because of, uh, Nord being like, you know, Nordic. Vaguely Thord. Thor inspired. Yeah, vaguely yeah. Thor, Ragnarok, yada yada. Got yeah, it. pretty sure that's that's it. Um, from now on, I'm going to call it Thor Ragnarok <laughs> <laughs> going forward. Uh, just so everyone knows. They um, yeah, this is where we get the majority of the meta text, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is in this episode with uh, with the god statues not having it yeah what does he do he does like spoon I, tricks yeah i love the doctor doing magic tricks like mm-hmm. he turns a rope stuff. into a snake yeah and then he turns a snake into an umbrella mm-hmm. it's pretty good real like uh, uh prince of egypt yeah kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. um scott scott lang and uh jimmy Wu would be very impressed <laughs> with all of this the two greatest magic users in the marvel cinematic universe exactly <laughs> um <laughs> way 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 more important than Wanda or Wong, Wong or <laughs> Stephen Strange or the Ancient One, <laughs> Baron Mordo. Sure, all of our all of our friends, all yeah. of our favorite friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the Doctor or Ace goes back to the Love Bus with uh with Kingpin. Yeah, she does. And <laughs> and they fight and they fight that that the post office robot again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that dude. Is he a po- is, is that what he is? He's a, no, he's like a he's like a, a conductor. Yeah, oh, conductor, train why conductor. Do you think he was a mailman. I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. he has a little cap. Yeah. He has like a That's jaunty right. little cap. Right. Yeah. I love this robot. It's probably my favorite robot design outside like the Daleks. Like I just I I love this. I mean, you know, and I know I know the robot, what about robot? Not technically robots, but um, <laughs> robots good. Robots probably third behind mm-hmm. this guy. This guy, I wish was in this more because I think he rules. Um, I love him. Kind of echoes of the Kerblam man. Yeah, mm. he is. I love him. I just love the way he looks. He's just uh, so. He's kind of like, like a like a nineteen forties robot, mm-hmm. um, like a automaton. Automaton. Of. Yeah. Uh, Kingpin did yeah. jack squat to help Ace fight that right? robot. Yeah. True. The buttons under his hat. 
It's like, dude, you, I'm you, getting strangled by the robot. I can't reach yeah. it. <laughs> it's the button that specifically says turn the robot off. And yeah. it's just like, She's I can't see out. anything. Yeah. It's way above me. I, I'm just going to randomly push a button and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to read the labels, dude. But she did it because she's ace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How does the how does the doctor get the get the circus to blow up? What what does he do specifically? Because it uh, rains and he has his umbrella. Yeah, it's like they yeah, there's like a yeah. there's like a magic medallion, which is why they yeah. have to go back to the love bus because they need right. like the pupil for the eye on the medallion or whatever. Of course, and then they 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 chuck the medallion into the the big well with the big eye, and then it just magically appears in the doctor's hand. Yeah, he pulls it out. I remember that. Yeah. And then he uses it to, I don't know, blow. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They start shooting lasers, and he uses it to like block it out. And he's firing lasers at the yeah, 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 yeah. And but he's using his umbrella as like a shield. So then the the they look cool. The the arena where the the Ragnarok gods are like crumbles, and then the The pink stuff or whatever. Yeah, the circus explodes Uh, on the surface. Yeah, it's um pink stuff. It's a little rushed. I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. it's very muddled. It's it's very MacGuffin-y, which yeah. is surprising considering how like kind of un this episode feels for ninety percent of it. Mm. Um, and then at the in the last ten percent, they're like, it's also there's a MacGuffin. Yeah. I was really surprised at how little Morgana and the Ringmaster ended up having a part to play. You know yeah. what I mean? I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, because they die in like, is it this one or part yeah, three? They don't even die. The the clowns like shove them into like wicker baskets and then they like open them up and they're gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. They get disintegrated or whatever. Yeah. Is that what happened every time? Do they just always just put like WizKid and Nord into like wicker baskets and then just turn them into dust? No. <laughs> I think they got lasered. Oh, okay. Yeah. They done got lasered. Uh, we get the crazy, uh, not supposed to be that crazy explosion effect, right? Mm-hmm. Doctor strutting away. It's like, like I, I feel like that moment is sort of like the epitome of like the Seventh Doctor, like in gift form. Yeah, that's like the thing that everyone uses. Um, and uh, yeah, no, and it rules. And but this is the last, I would say, fun episode. I think, I think, like Battlefield is like, no fun, specifically fun. I, I don't think the other ones her. are fun, dude. Battlefield think- is so good, and it's so it, fun. Yeah, I don't think it's fun. I think okay. it's really good. I don't think it's fun. And I don't think Ghost of, of uh, 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 whatever, the ghost one, Fender's Ghost on. Light, I don't think that one's yeah, fun. Yeah, that one's not fun. The... And I don't think Curse of Fenric is fun. No, that one's not um, fun and, either. And Survival isn't very good. It's well, uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, so they're, they're, they're the like, last... interesting, but they're not, like, playful. Right. Okay. I, I don't, I, and I don't find Battlefield to be particularly playful. I just think it's <gasps> Battlefield's like really my favorite good. Seventh Doctor story. <laughs> I love it. I'm not saying that it's bad. I yeah, think it's yeah, a yeah. great episode, but I, it's not, I think this era of like fun Seventh Doctor like romps are, is over with this, with this episode. I think this mm. is the last of that. Um, and uh, I'll miss it. I'll be honest. I, I really, I really love this. We get a lot more of it in the Big Finish era. Mm-hmm. They, they find a really cool way to like balance his stories out between like fun romps and the more uh, serious master planner type of uh, mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, I do, I do, I am gonna miss this in uh, yeah. in live action. It's I, a it's a romp, but it also for a Doctor Who story feels like very little of it is wasted time. Yeah. Um. Oh, there's God. There's one part where the Doctor's doing magic tricks, and the uh, they're like, "Quit padding out the story, Doctor. Get to <laughs> yeah. the point." And I'm like, "This is great." <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Um. Uh yeah, so like overall I just I I love Greatest Show in the Galaxy. I think it's my favorite of the kind of like goofy fun episodes of Seventh Doctor. Uh just because it's like so bananas. Um it's either this or Paradise Towers. I think I but... like Paradise Towers more. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I remember really liking the aesthetic and like mm-hmm. world of uh uh, uh Happy Time Patrol. Oh sure, happiness yeah. Patrol. Um, happiness Patrol. It looked like a giant, like like MTV video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I I really I I love, I really like this era. Delta Delta and the Bannerman, a lot of fun too. Yeah. Um, this era is really good. I I really love it a lot. And it's so interesting. Like I'll, I'll admit, I don't immediately think of Seven as like my go to favorite Doctor, but then whenever I go back to one of these stories, mm-hmm. I'm like immediately engaged. Mm-hmm him and the stories that he's in yeah mm-hmm. His, the, this era in particular i think is the most the, the i i feel like this is where russell t davies like picks up the baton from is like wow this yeah. this period um that like specifically ace and like this season of uh of of like you know delta and the bannerman and um happiness patrol and uh greatest show in the galaxy all of these feel like russell t davies stories yeah and and eccleston and mccoy kind of have like a similar energy like they're very um like outgoing and playful on like the surface but then there's like this like dark undercurrent that's going on and i yeah 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 and like the idea of the doctor manipulating people is something that Mm -hmm. is always so interesting we're like yeah he's this character that can be so empathetic and warm but then also it's like why is he being so mean to me oh it was for a calculated reason Mm -hmm. that he wanted me to react to and like i don't know how i feel about that that's kind of weird yeah Absolutely. Um, it's kind of interesting going like watching the show the way we have been because it's it's um, like the doctor going up against like these gods um, like mm-hmm. happens like three times in this round. Right. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. There were a couple other moments where like it reminded me of other parts of the show's history, but I can't think of them now. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Definitely, like for 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 listeners of the show, I would say this is one that I think uh, people would have a lot of fun watching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Brit Box and uh, and 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 yeah, uh, all the raps, all the raps. There's there's at least one rap per episode. Sometimes yes. more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> He's not exaggerating. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> you might think that I am, but I am not. Um, there are a lot of '80s raps in this. Um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, th- this is one I don't hear talked about a lot, and and it's unfortunate because I think it is really really good, um, and definitely like very watchable if you're like familiar with the Russell T Davies era. Like that, you could probably sink into this one pretty easily and be like, oh okay, it's I think it's accessible, uh, in that way. Whereas like you know, First Doctor can be mm-hmm. you know very dry, dry, dry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's uh, that's that's greatest show in the galaxy. So next week we'll be talking about an eighth Doctor Big Finish story called Seasons of Fear. Uh, this one is co-written 
by Paul Cornell. So that's Ooh, exciting. Okay. Um, Optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, co-written by Co- Paul Cornell and a, and a female author. What's so crazy about the big is like, these have mostly been fun to decent, but then there's one that just hurt us so bad. Yeah. That, that we're like forever skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, so hopefully uh, Seasons of Fear is good. I have yeah. no memory of it. I know I've heard it before, but I have no memory of it. And uh, we'll 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 have to find out um, uh, along with you guys next week. <laughs> we talk about seasons of fear. Is this one of the ones that's on Spotify? Because I know a bunch of the big finish stuff is on Spotify. Oh, um, I think seasons of fear might be one of those. Um, I'll find out. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check right now just to make sure because I I would like to know. Uh, it um, is. Ah, nice. So you guys, everybody, if you if you have Spotify, you can listen to this one. Um along with us. So that's, that's fun. Uh, yep. There it is. Seasons of fear. And, uh, yeah. Nice. So look at all that. Check that out. Um, all Mm. right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, everyone check out our Patreon, duelinggenre.com slash support and our T public store, duelinggenre.com slash merch. And we'll talk to you guys next week with the eighth doctor and seasons of fear. Bye bye. 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 The Greatest Show's family. Folks, I'm sure you'd like to know we're at the start of one big circus show. There are acts that are cool and acts that are made. Some acts are scary, some acts will days. Acts of all kinds, and you can count on that. From folks that fly to disappearing acts. There are lots of surprises for the family at the greatest show in the galaxy. So many strange surprises, I'm prepared to bet whatever you've seen before. You ain't seen nothing yet.